you're listening to the LifeWay Kids podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, we want to let you know about our exciting new event that's coming this October. We're taking everything that you know and love about KMC, our kids ministry conference, and we're expanding it to become Etch Family Ministry Conference. Etch stands for Equipping the Church and Home. We're planning a wide range of breakout sessions for you and your team members, featuring age-specific training for preschool, kids, preteen, and students, as well as combined sessions that are designed to help you get your whole team on the same page. It's going to be a great event, and we'd love for you and your whole team to be there. We're also lining up some incredible Nashville music to help you experience the sounds of our hometown right here in Nashville. Act fast as rates will increase on August 31st. Visit etchconference.com to get more details. That's E-T-C-H conference.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the LifeWay Kids podcast. Uh, thank you for listening, and we hope God blesses you through what you might hear today. My name is Jeffrey Reed. I'm with the LifeWay Kids team. We are here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and we're not in our normal studio setting where you have this nice studio polished sound. I mean, it sounds great. I want to thank Drew, who, who makes all this happen with our podcast. But we're in the Nashville Music City Center, which is a huge convention hall. It's the it's our kids' ministry conference, so we're live here. So you might hear some noise in the background, but that's just kids' ministry leaders walking around learning stuff. Today, uh, because we're here, we've got a great guest with us, special guest, uh, John Murkison. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me here today. Uh, I am the children's director at a church called the Austin Stone Community Church in Austin, Texas. It is, uh, I've been there for 10 years, and I've been blessed to see God grow it from a church plant of 120 people in a middle school auditorium to now we're at five campuses um, with children's ministry thriving at each campus, and I'm honored to be a part of that. So, How many kids do you have on a Sunday morning in the, between the campuses? Typically between 800 and 1,000 between those five campuses. So it's a real honor and privilege to serve that many families. So your children's ministry is larger than 90% of the churches in America, or 95% of the churches in America. Well, and if you're listening, uh, you know, the things we're talking about today are transcendent of church size. It really doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you're a a small church plant. Uh, My wife and I are involved in one in Spring Hill. I mean, we we hope we have 50 people our first Sunday when we launch in a few months. Uh, So your truths that we're talking about today are transcendent of church size. And critical. So, yeah. well, let's dive into it. I would love to talk about one topic in particular, and I love uh, the way you guys at the Austin Stone are real intentional about this. Um, you know, the gospel is not just for our kids, it's for everybody, and it's for our volunteers. And so today, I just want to talk about the fact that the gospel is for volunteers, too. Um, and it's a, gr- a great breakout you, uh, you're doing here at the conference. So, I've got some questions for you. Um, how... Um, how do we know if we're doing an adequate job in leading our volunteers with, with the gospel? Specifically, I ask that yeah. question. Man, it's, it's one of the biggest indicators of how you're doing in ministry is not just how are your kids receiving the gospel, but are the volunteers receiving it too. And one of the ways you can know that is, I mean, you know, you've been in ministry, things don't always go as planned. And so when a parent comes up uh, who is upset for one reason or another, or you have that classroom that is extra rambunctious that day, what's the fruit you see coming out of your volunteers' lives? Is it the fruit of the Spirit? Is it love, joy, peace, and patience? Or is it frustration? Is it they're ready to bail on you and say, I'm not coming back next week? Is it um, anger? Or is it fear? What do you see coming out of it? The fruit of their heart reveals where their roots are planted. Um, is it in the gospel or is it in 
their strength, their ability, their efforts to lead the children's ministry well. And I think a lot of kids pastors or kids directors are feeling, well, the the pastors, that's his job to to lead our people. I'm I'm the kids pastor. i got to take care of my kids. So you're saying, and and I agree, and most do, that that we we also, and maybe not just also, but maybe more, have Mm -hmm. to lead our leaders. Definitely. I mean, there's... You could point the blame at them, but that doesn't not helpful at all. The blame really relies on us for them having their roots planted otherwise in the gospel. Yeah. So often we we lean towards human motivation and human methods to get our people to do what we want them to do. Things like uh, coercion or flattery or even guilt and shame. I mean, I've been at churches that recruit volunteers through saying, if you don't come next week, we won't be able to open these classrooms. Um, that's that's a human-based motivation of guilt and shame. And the thing is, that works. That's why we do it. It works for a little while. Temporarily, yeah. It works until that steam runs out, and then it, it fades. So instead of using those methods, we need to use the gospel. Okay. Now, you, you, this, the, the word the gospel is a word we take for granted, very much like the world yeah. takes Jesus uh, in his name for granted. We we know it fully. So when we say the gospel, somebody might be thinking, oh, I know the gospel. You, mm-hmm. uh, you're, we're sinners. We get it. But what does it mean to live in yeah. the gospel, to have a gospel-centered leadership in your children's ministry? Unpack this for us in a, from a framework perspective. What are the common practices? How would we employ the gospel in our leadership in children's ministry? Man, I love that you said that it's when we think of the gospel, we sometimes go straight to the past tense. The five scripture verses that would lay it out for us, which is awesome. The ABCs of becoming a Christian, the VBS thing. All that is great and true and right, but it is only one lens we can see the gospel through. The gospel has saved us from the penalty of sin. We were children of wrath, now we're children of God, right? But he's also, the gospel is saving us from the power of sin in our lives. So it's not just that he, it's not the entryway to the Christian life, it is the power through which we live the Christian life and abstain from sin. And then there's a future tense part too. The gospel will save us from the presence of sin when he one day brings us to his kingdom and there's no more um, sin, no more shame, no more death, and he'll wipe away every tear from our eye, right? So so there's the salvation, which is we live there a lot, but then we kind of don't, we forget about the sanctification, which is the ongoing work of the gospel. Yeah, so pack, un, unpack that in kids' ministry. I'm a kids' ministry leader. What, what does that mean for me? What do I do now with my leaders if I well, want to do this? Really, really practically, one of the best ways I can show it is when we're training our volunteers on what to do on Sunday. Do we focus on <clears throat> primarily here's what you do to get through a Sunday. Here's the curriculum. Here's the activities. Do this. You'll be fine. What we're preaching to them unintentionally is this false gospel of the promised land of calm classrooms and <laughs> an easy day, right? Uh, the problem in that view is it's a chaotic day. If you follow the curriculum, you'll do fine. Instead, we need to point out the true gospel that our hope is in Jesus, not in calm classrooms. And the problem is not that kids are chaotic. The problem is kids need to know and believe the gospel to be saved. So the curriculum, instead of becoming a tool to get through Sunday, should be a tool to communicate the gospel. And so, you know, that's my tweet right there, man. That, uh, the curriculum, instead of a tool to get through Sunday, yes. should be a tool to get through the gospel. That's right. Wow. That's my tweet. That's my monthly tweet right there. It'll affect how you do everything. That 15-minute huddle that most people do before service, it um, usually is, hey, let's pray real quick, and let me tell you what you have to do. It should instead be, hey, what, what's the gospel message you're trying to get out today? How does it impact your heart? And how are you going to use the curriculum to teach that to the kids this day? Wow. Now, uh, let's... Let's say that, uh, give me some, I want some practical, yep. or, or not practical, specific phrases you might say 
to a new leader uh, that's that's maybe they've done children's ministry a long time. Maybe they, hey, I came from this other church. I love your church. I've, I've taught Sunday school for 15 years, and I know how to manage a classroom of kids. Uh, tell me mm-hmm. what you say to them to try to get them to understand what your what your philosophy is. Well, I don't know. It is coming in the training and in the ongoing, bringing them in from the beginning, just saying, what is our main goal today? Our goal is sharing the gospel with kids. But it's it's not just about the intake process or the original vision cast. It's more about the everyday as you're going, looking for opportunities to point those leaders to the gospel. Let's say one of the things we tell our leaders in our training is we want them to get on their level. We want them to both physically get on their eye level when you talk to them. We want you to get in their mindset, to think like they think, to enjoy the things they enjoy, to jump around and be silly with them if they want to be. And we can either say that from a perspective of, if you do this, our ministry will be more effective. If you do this, kids will listen to you. And that is all true and right and good. But that motivation will only last so long because I'm telling them to do it so they should do it so that it works. Instead, take the perspective of how does this connect to the gospel? And that coaching in particular is, is a really easy one to put to the gospel because Christ was up with God but didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. He came down and took on our flesh, our form, um, and lived the life with us. So in the same way that he took on our flesh to relate to us, I want you to get on the kids' level, take on their mindset, take on their physical stature, get on their level, and talk to them. And therefore, you're not just telling them the gospel, you're showing them the gospel. Our hopes there is that that fuel will keep them doing that. That vision is more compelling than do it because I said so. Yeah, and and it's not an either or. It's not if, well, then are they going to know Bible verses? Are they going to know the stories? Actually, they'll know them in the proper context of the gospel because we know if we're if we focus on some of the 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 meat of a story in isolation of the big story, we can sometimes miss the point um, of the whole story. And so when you when kids know the whole story. The other stories have greater meaning to them. How does this play out in the kids' lives, maybe even in your church community, when it's done well, when you have um, when you have uh, volunteers that understand the gospel and understand kids and a lot of the gospel understand themselves and the church? What does this look like for a church, and especially sure. in the lives of the kids in 10, 15 years maybe? Well, the first benefit is to the kids, I think, themselves. Just like we so often I've written posts to parents saying, hey, don't just say what the what the truth of God is, show them, because they're the ones who know it. They see you live your life, they know whether you believe it or not, by the things you do. If you say reading the Bible is important, but you don't actually ever open the Bible, they're getting a mixed message. Hmm. Our volunteers are the same way. If you're telling them, here's what scripture says, here's the truth of the gospel, here's these great truths of God, but they're not seeing the joy in your service, they're not seeing the gospel portrayed in your actions, they might not know, but they sense where your power is coming from, whether it's from you from the Holy Spirit, and I think that will leave a more lasting impact on them in years to come. Uh, The other big benefit to pushing this way is really for the children's director. So often we can get in the mindset of we're just program managers, fill the spots, get the curriculum out the door, make Sunday happen, but really you're called to be a pastor, a pastor of people, kids and volunteers, and going into your volunteers with the mindset of not, how can I get them to do what I want them to do, it's how can I point them to Christ and get him to lead them in ministering to these kids. That's much more invigorating and enlivening for me. Um, And then thirdly, I think there's a community aspect of it that by God's grace, he could do something great if we all take on this mindset. Let me say this. The world isn't impressed with a really efficiently run nonprofit system. 
or a really great childcare program, or the fact that you have all your volunteer spots filled. That happens in many nonprofits and many ministries and many places across the globe. But if the Spirit of God gets a hold of people and they sense that Holy Spirit has a different power, and the people look different and feel different, I mean, what did Jesus say? He know we're Christians by our love, not by our well-run systems. I think that's something the world could turn and take yeah. a closer look at. In, in essence, uh, we we serve we should serve kids and serve ministry in light of and in the shadow of uh, the context of what God has done for us. So totally. we're not there to fill a volunteer role in the church. I'm not here to manage this classroom. Our goal is not to have the kid, which which. I've seen this. When the kids are compelled by the story, they behave better. Yeah. When the kids understand or be, are beginning to get insight into who Jesus really is, things flow better. The activities make things make more sense when, when the gospel is at the center of all we do. So, um, man, we, there are a lot of lot of teachers out there that do a great job managing classrooms, but I hope that they'll see the, the benefit of really um, using the gospel to lead their leaders. Uh, in closing, I guess I want to... Uh, Ask this question of your church: What if, what is one of the most powerful things that you've seen happen at the Austin Stone in the way you lead leaders? Like maybe it's a story you can share with us about a leader, or maybe just in the lives of some of the kids that have been in your ministry. Sure. Well, to so talk about leaders, the one that comes to mind is just a leader story. I, when I, now that I've been in ministry for almost ten years, what amazes me is the the leaders who. That stuck with me for that long, right? The <laughs> ones who I recruited eight years ago and had no idea what I was doing. The ones there. who I've let down along the way time and time again who are still there. And what really was the genesis for this breakout I did this, at this conference was I turned around with one of my leaders and I said, after I had, again, miscommunicated something or failed or let her down, I said, what, what has kept you here? It certainly hasn't been me. And she looked at me and said, children's ministry is hard, but I know kids are important to Christ. And he did a lot harder things for me. And so I'm willing to stick with you and do this no matter how hard it gets. And I was like... She just painted the picture of grace in the gospel. Correct. She's doing it in response to the gospel. And that's why she's so joyful. That's why she keeps going. That's why nothing gets her down. It's because she was living out of the light of the gospel. So I I started moving towards how can I lead all my people to see and respond in that way. Wow. That's great. Well, great words. Thanks. Uh, thanks, John, very much. If you guys are interested in following John on Twitter, his, uh, his um, Twitter handle is John Merck, J-O-H-N-M-U-R-K. Uh, thanks so much for being with us today at the Kids Ministry Conference here in Nashville uh, for this live podcast. Uh, we thank you guys for listening at home, uh, kids ministry leaders uh, from all over the place, and, and hope that it uh, inspires you and compels you to, to, to remember that when you're training your leaders. It's just not about training them on how, how to use curriculum. It's training them on why we do what we do in kids ministry the gospel is not just for the kids that they're leading or that we're leading it's for them so keep it in front of you at all times we are praying that god will use you in ways bigger than you can imagine to reach more kids and families than you ever thought possible with the hope of jesus christ Uh, see you next time thank you for listening to the lifeway kids podcast Don't forget to visit etchconference.com to learn more about our exciting new family ministry conference that's happening here in Nashville, October 3rd through 5th. The rates will go up on August 31st, so be sure to register as quickly as possible to lock in the lowest rate. Once again, information is available at etchconference.com, E-T-C-H conference.com. We look forward to seeing you here in Nashville for Etch.